Welcome to this episode of Getting My Cheese Back on My Cracker. I am Ashley. And I'm Paige Benjamin of Atomic Travels. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing the Black family dynamic, nuclear families and villages. I have a huge unconventional family and no one is a half sibling or step this or step that. And everybody is at the family functions. Also, everything is a family function. However, in my in my growing up, um, I found that many families or people do not have this experience or relationship as a family. And I wanted to dig into that. So, so we have a special guest today. So, but before, but yeah. before we begin, you got a blended family. I got a, my dad was a Rolling Stone to an extent. I might not be as big as a Rolling Stone as your daddy was. Listen. But I mean, I have brothers and sisters on my mom's side. I got brothers and sisters on my dad's side. And I, I think to your point at the beginning of the story of the intro was, you know, I I, I never understood the concept of half sibling, right? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I found interesting. And when, you know, you go to certain areas and like, that's my half brother, that's my half sister. I'm like, look, you either came from my mama or you came from my daddy. So you my brother, you my sister, my brother. you know what I mean? So with that being said, um, hey guys, don't forget to subscribe, like, and enable that notification button so you guys know when we drop new episodes of the regular season of Getting My Cheese on My Cracker. And don't forget, we got the State of the Black Men's Mental Health and Ashley. We also have our brand new series, The Wellness Collective, about women, specifically Black women, and women's issues as it regards uh, mental health. We have a lot of great topics that we have coming up. It airs once a month. Recent air, uh, episode just um, aired, so you can catch it on YouTube or Facebook. Awesome, Thank awesome. You. And let me, let's introduce some of our panel. So we're going to do them one at a time. So as you get on stage, please introduce yourself. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rhonda Curry Coffee. Ashley is um, one of my little sisters. Okay, okay. Hi. Hello, everyone. My name is Sharon um, Pitts. Uh, I am the eldest of the um, fabulous nine, is what we call it. I'm the eldest daughter, I should say, a girl of the fabulous nine. Hi, I'm Alana, and I'm technically the baby. Sister. <laughs> Hi, I am uh, Ranisha, and I met Ashley and um, uh, you all through the Royalty Project. Awesome, awesome. Thank you all for joining. Look at this beautiful, like, I mean, is this a wellness collective episode? I can't tell. Do I need to leave? It's always the ones that look put together that you need to pay attention to, right? Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. All righty. So now that we have everyone um, on this on the screen, let's go ahead and hop into our discussion. Um, with my family, we're pretty large and there's a lot of different stories on how we came together, not quite like the Brady Bunch. Um, but upon introduction, um, I noticed that our parents controlled the situation. Um, the step, my, our stepmoms and my dad initiated the atmosphere that our family is a package deal. The other parents also instilled that there's a mutual respect and there are no half siblings or mothers. Uh, no one is to be disrespected. Um, how do you think this played into your relationship with other family members and other intimate relationships? 
anybody could jump in. Well, I'll jump in since you guys are being shy, right? Um, <laughs> um, so I'm the baby of all of my siblings, right? So between both my parents and my dad, um, I'm the baby child. And um, I honestly thought I was the baby for a very long time. Um, I was five years old when I was introduced to my sisters um, on my mom's side. They came from Haiti and terrorized me because they thought I had taken away their mama uh, from their daddy. And that necessarily wasn't the case. Um, and then as I got older, um, I start to experience my dad's children. Um, and that was, it was interesting because we all lived separately, but we were somehow always together. Um, my dad always found a way that no matter what happened, his biggest dream was to have all his children under one household. Well, you know, the moms weren't having that. Um, but um, every chance we got, we were, we were able to do summers together with my dad. And, you know, when you have two, three families, you got two, three Thanksgivings, Christmases. As a kid, I was loving it. You know what I mean? Um, so how does that have an impact on my relationships, my intimate relationships? Um, I think it's it's made me yearn for more family, for more closeness. Um, but at the same time, because, you know, in the making of this episode, I was kind of envious of y'all, right? Um, y'all had that family closeness that I'm like, um, I wish I had, because it was like, we had the bickering, we had the you know, baby mama drama for a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes I wish like it was a little more, a lot calmer, but it wasn't chaotic. You know, it wasn't like on some baby boy type of stuff. You know what I mean? But it was, like I said, I was like, dang, these guys had it had it nice to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, right? To an extent. Right? So, um, what I'll say is um, the difference um, for us, at least in my experience, is we did have baby mama drama. Make no mistake about that. Um, times we four. Def we definitely had, yeah, times four. <laughs> Good point. But um, the respect part, right, that's what made the difference. Um, we had it, um, the drama, but our parents, um, it, it, my mom, my dad, our dad and, as well, um, they made it very clear that um, we were going to respect um, the adults. Um, my mom made it clear early on, um, this is your stepmom, this is the other woman. Um, when you're with her, you're going to respect um, her. And my dad made it very clear when we were with him and my stepmom and the other kids that you're going to respect my wife and my wife is going to respect your mom. Hmm. Um, that that was that was just a given. We knew that. We did not hear the um, the the talk that we learned was um, normal in mm -hmm. <laughs> in most people um, um, in most families and blended mm -hmm. families. We didn't hear it. The kids didn't hear it. It was going on when we became adults. Adults, mm -hmm. then we heard about it. But when we were young and informative, it just was not accepted. And so mm -hmm. respect played a huge role. And then as it related to other. Um, relationships. I myself, um, I was part of a blended, I am a part of a blended um, family. Um, and for me, that's something that I just continued on with my son and his stepmom. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but you're going to respect her. Um, when you're in her home, I know, I know, but you're going to respect her rules. Um, mm -hmm. So I get that. Um, 
And even with my son today, he knows um, he has a blended family. And um, the thing I tell um, the, the his partner is, look, hey, uh, my grandson's mom, she's not going away. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's never going away. She's always going to be that. So it's best for you to figure out what's the best way to handle this in a healthy way. So mm -hmm. it's definitely respect um, played a huge, huge role in my um, relationships growing up as well as um, in my own blended experience. So Ranisha, you're not part of this elite nine, right? <laughs> Like me, we're kind of outsiders, you know. Even on camera, it's all split, us versus them. Um, but um, tell, us, tell us your story about your blended family, your 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 huge family. Yes, I do have a huge family actually, and I'm still figuring out who's part of my family. I actually just I was in uh, New Orleans recently and ran into people I didn't even know. Somebody else told me you have two cousins right behind you. Mm. that are part of the of the Blaché family. And I also have uh, uh, Haitian roots that I'm still learning about. Yeah. I'm still learning the language too. So. <laughs> yes, but um, I'm still unpacking family secrets, if mm. you will. And so what I can appreciate about my situation growing up in a scenario where my father had two babies come at the same time, both me and my sister, were only about six, six weeks apart, different mothers. Um, we didn't grow up together, my sister and I. Um, my father being the the common um, uh, yeah, person be, be, between us, um, left the situation and just left it for us to figure out over time. And, and we as adults have decided to come together. And I, I attribute that energy for me to want to build those bridges to my to my mother she did remarry after my father left and um that man became my my dad he raised me he was he chose to be my father mm -hmm. and one thing i appreciate about my upbringing and in contrast to what my 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 sister i um i actually call her my twin because we we look just alike she just she's just more uh uh she's uh fair-skinned um, you know, in the projects, they call y'all project twins. No offense, you know. Same what thing, whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> my light skin twin or whatever. You know? <laughs> so, um, my mother never demonized my father to me. Um, she was honest with me about what what happened, and as I've gotten older, I've learned more about the storyline, if you will. But um, she never took out her frustrations with my biological father. Um, in her conversation with me. She let me d develop my own relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, she also made made it clear that my stepfather, who I never called stepfather, he was just daddy, um, had the role of father in our home. So w whenever my biological would show up and my stepfather would come outside, <laughs> there was that man-to-man -man energy there. And I, I could I could feel the, the tension, but there was a level of respect between the two of them that I, I also made sure that I gave both of them. I never took time or engaged in any conversation that was detrimental to either one. I didn't talk bad about one to the other, what one isn't doing or doing or whichever, any of that. Mm -hmm. I left that to the adults. And so my mother helped me navigate that. So as an adult now, um, I don't have children yet. I'm not married or anything, but I, I am open to the opportunity to meet someone who already does have children and embrace that blended family in a way that um, uh, uh, 
allows me to still nurture relationships um, in positive ways and, and steer clear of any toxicity coming my way. So mm-hmm. that's how that's kind of helped me over time in my intimate relationships. Okay. So, a little bit. So it sounds like we all kind of, um, we all kind of had the same kind of situation where there was a, a culture of respect, um, regardless of how many players enter the game, everybody's going to get the same amount of uh, respect and all the children knew, you know, that's mama, that's daddy, regardless of which mom it is, we're going to respect them. Um, I do want to ask, cause I know um, my dad and my stepmom married pretty young. Do you think that, um, age, the age when they started having children and got married played uh, a difference as far as how they took care of being a parent or how they were able to parent? Who was that addressed to? Um, this is, uh, anybody. So yes, it's a conversation. I'm so sorry. Yes. So yeah, this is a conversation. You can jump in anytime you want to talk, anytime you have anything to say. I'd like to um, give my take on that. It's ironic that Sharon and I, in preparation for this um, call this afternoon, we just happened to be on the phone for something totally different, but we started talking about this show. And that was exactly what we spoke about as to the understanding of the age of the adults at the time of our coming along. Um, just to put this in a little uh, perspective for the v- viewers, um, our mother, Sharon, and I, along with the other two brother siblings, our mother was the first in this series of moms <laughs> with our dad. So we're the older um, children of the somewhat the older children of nine, but like Renisha, some of them are sprinkled in. <laughs> and, and within there, but we are the older. But even us being the older, we didn't get a full understanding of our full nuclear family until we were maybe, at least for me, I may have been eight. Um, you know, when new people start coming into the family circle that we knew of the four kids and my mom and my dad, of course, but he was not with her. So for me, I, I have to, in, in my life now, as a 50-year-old adult, I have to look back and be like, okay, so when I was eight, how old was my mom? How old was my dad? And I realized they were just 23, 24. They, they were definitely young um, in the grand scheme of things. So the way that they handled things at that time, I need to take myself back to that time in my age. And, and try and understand what my mental was was about as that young adult. Was I ready for kids at that time? You know, how did I um, deal with my affairs at that time? Was I, you know, was I financially stable at that time? Things in, in that mentality I have to think about as far as my parents, because it sheds a lot of light on how they actually um, did something special to, to me when making sure that we all as siblings knew each other and that we all as siblings respected each parental um, individual that came into our circle. 
Um, now that circle is huge now, but it started a little smaller. But when it, it initially started, we gradually as a family um, learned that kids stay in kids place and adults will allow you to know the information they need you to know so that we can um, work together as a cohesive family. Um, so, and, and they did that in, in the twenties. I, I mean, I wasn't, I probably wasn't ready for that type of um, mental awareness, if you will, <laughs> at that age, because I probably would have been the, as Paige said, that ghetto mom um, <laughs> that would have gone off on the next person who took my husband or something to that effect and talked about that individual to my kids, you know, just thinking of my age and mentality at that time. Um, so it was a special thing that they did as far as building the respect with us from a young standpoint, from our young age and also theirs. And and to piggyback on that, um, you know, how old I, I spoke about my me being five when I figured out I had other siblings. Right. But like, how old were you all? And, you know, the current if it's like yesterday, you ain't got to you ain't got to say how old you are. But. How old were you? How many days old were you when you found out that you had other siblings? Um, I think me and Ashley were like eleven, seven. No, when we found out, like first we were like seven uh -huh. when Mama told us that we actually had older siblings, and then we didn't actually meet them until we were eleven. Damn. So we had the general idea that was floating around that oh my goodness, we have brothers because we already had sisters, but it was like, oh my God, we have brothers too. So it was all new to us, but then we actually got to meet them and it was like, they know us too. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. So it was like that. Yeah, I was, um, well, I was six when we were part of a traditional family up until the age of six. Um, then that's when our parents um, split. And then um, shortly after that, we got, we inherited a stepbrother um, that was Craig. And then um, a year or so after that, um, a, a brother was on the scene. Well, he was born, but we didn't actually see him until he was maybe about four or five um, years old. So he was there, but I, I don't recall. By the time I saw him, I just remember a little boy jumping in the car with us one weekend mm -hmm. uh, when we went to visit um, with my dad and Later on, that's your brother. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the time I was 19-ish, I guess, actually, Lana, um, I knew. Oh, did we lose your oh, shape? Oh, we're back. Mm. Okay. Did that just happen for everyone? Did anyone just like so. that? Okay, good. All right. So I knew. So when Ashley and Lana, when you all were born, um, we knew of you. We knew that there were a set of twins um, through our older brother. He overheard a conversation. So we knew um, we were just, no one ever, no adult ever per se came and said, hey, uh, my mom did. She said, I think y'all got a set of twins out there. Mm -hmm. But we had already known that because our older brother had told us. But as far as seeing them and really them coming to life, it was with what Alana said at the age 11. Um, probably when they were 10, we started hearing a lot more, you know, my dad was going to visit and everything, but it wasn't until they were 11 that we actually got to visit and see them. Wow. So you're talking about roughly every three to five years, you're meeting a new sibling. 
Uh, we, 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 didn't, we didn't even talk about when the cat came along. We have another brother that's in there. That, um, but he was um, my our stepmom um, and our dad. They married after I don't. It was a years. lot of years that they finally married, and they had a son together. Right. So yeah, you say it as if oh we got a new sibling, but for us it was like. It was like friends and families. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, the party became bigger. That's right. <laughs> yeah. When I, it was always a party when we were with my dad. Gotcha. It was always, we're going somewhere, something fun. We're doing something fun. And it's not just four. Now it's five of y'all. Now it's six of y'all. Now it's nine of y'all. <laughs> and we're doing it all together. <laughs> family gatherings. Events. That's for our family. It was, it was the intent mm -hmm. of I think our parents to make sure we knew who our uh, siblings were and to make sure not only knowing who they are, but we need to integrate ourselves into their lives and make sure they understand who, uh, who that, who we are as to like uh, Ashley and Alana, we may seem like adults at the time, <laughs> you know, but they needed to still understand that we were their sisters and brothers, you know, mm -hmm. um, so Ashley, it took a long time for me when they came into the picture for Ashley and Alana to get that. Hi, Miss Rhonda. <laughs> like, Miss who? You know? but, but that was my take on it because I was younger at the time. And Sharon's only a couple years older than me, but she was like, yes, respect. You know, <laughs> she, she's loving that. And I'm like, mm, just call me Rhonda or, you know. Yes, or something like that. <laughs> so it, it's just, I think the... Um, but the thing you don't want to miss is when Ashley and Lana came on the scene, we fully embraced them. It was like this huge thing. Let's yeah. take them shopping. Let's do this. Let's go oh, here. Yeah. Let's. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got sisters. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That's normally not the introduction that most <laughs> No, it's not. Right. <laughs> and just yeah. for Ashley and Alana's understanding, I, I don't think... It was just recently. Now we've been knowing you guys for a long time now, but just recently did um, Sharon and I have a conversation about how how was the family dynamic with your other two siblings when we popped into your life and we started showering you and being around you and we you know we didn't even think about we were impacting your whole family from Miss Ruthie's standpoint. As they just they just recently started telling us like how they used to feel about that. Mm -hmm. And it was like we never thought about it. But mm -hmm. as they got older, y'all started doing the same things for them too. So yeah. it's like once you got to know them a little better, you can't you kind of did the same thing with them as you did with us. Yeah, I think you guys are your little sisters just like we are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so Ranisha, you mentioned that, you know, I'm 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 throwing light on it, but you and your sister were born literally months apart, right? Like, was it like, you know, at a certain age, you were kind of like, hey, this is your sister? Like, when did you first discover, like, you had this sister? Um, around age 11, my my grandmother passed away, my father's mm -hmm. mother. And so we both ended up at the funeral. And I'm looking at this young girl who looks just like me. We both got bangs, the, the whole pigtails and everything else. And I noticed there was tension. I felt it. Um, I didn't address it at the time. Um, and be, right before my grandmother passed away, I had went to visit her. And she had this um, photo album 
And she would show me pictures of my sister. She didn't tell me who, that's who she was. She would just show me pictures of her. And then God, God rest her soul, but my grandmother wasn't <laughs> the nicest person. She would start to compare us to each other. Oh, wow. One was lighter, one was darker, uh, whose hair was longer and all that kind of stuff. It, it just, it was, it was toxic. And I scared mm -hmm. of it. And my my mother would guard me from that. So I was fortunate enough to um to have some buffers around me to help me navigate the situation um, until I became an adult. And so on my 18th birthday, my sister came to my birthday party, and we finally began to have an actual conversation. That was our first conversation. What was, that, what was that like? Because I mean, you're finally coming to a uh, a, a mature ground, right? Because, you know, you probably weren't ready to really have that conversation then. But now that you guys are 18, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was that conversation like? Because, you know, the, the Elite Nine, y'all had years of preparation to love on each other and, you know, no negative conversation. And this is a great, con this is a great contrast to show that there are different ways that our blended families concur. Because, you know, I've, I concur with you guys. My mom did her best not to talk negative or ill of my dad or my, my siblings' moms. But you, on the other hand, got the contrast. You got, you know, grandmom who's throwing slight jabs, right, shade. And then now you come to a place where, all right, I need, was it a need to, to reconcile with her or it was just like, it's about time? I had a need, um, just, um, my own desires to want to connect, um, especially because she looks so much like me. I have um, two older brothers that my mother already had, which speaks to why she was probably a bit more grounded in her parenthood at the time. Whereas my my father, uh, we were his first children. And he was kind of like, well, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know what's going on. I just, I just want to run away and escape and marry the third woman mm. and had two more children later. Mm. Um, so even now we as adults, um, are coming together slowly and still unpacking some of the stories that that we were told and making sense of it all because we realize adults lie to us at some point and shared their version of the story. Um, so we, when we first met and sat down and talked to each other, it was at my birthday party. So it was a, a nice environment, you know, and um, she began to uh, ask me questions about you know where I grew up and things like that. We just begin to talk, just in, in general. But eventually, we got to the bottom line of what story were you told and what story mm -hmm. were you told, and we started to put two and two together. Like, mm, okay, well, this must not be true. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we're still finding out things like, oh, that wasn't true. <laughs> and mm -hmm. We're turning forty-four now. Um, mm -hmm. we're only she just turned forty-four, and I'll be forty-four this summer. Um, and we're still unpacking some of the truths, mm -hmm. the versions of the stories that, that took mm -hmm. place. But the, the thing for us is, you know, we, our goal is to come together and to support each other. And so mm -hmm. uh, all of my father's children, we've only been in the same room together once in our entire life. And now as adults, we're all spread out in four different cities. Mm -hmm. um, and then my, I also had step um, siblings from my stepfather and they were all older than, than me. And they weren't as happy about me as I was about them. I was excited because I had two older brothers and now one of them or two of them were sisters. 
but they didn't like me. They were not happy about me at all. One of them tried to drown me. It was all kind of craziness, right? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I know, right? <laughs> I still have flashbacks to that. I understand um, your feelings. I, I know the feeling. Yeah, but you know, it's, I have to look at, um, and just thank my, my mother for keeping me grounded in the whole process because no matter what anybody else's feelings were, I always came at it as positive as I could mm -hmm. and, um, and always tried to approach them with love. Even, even mm -hmm. to this day, um, my stepfather passed away. And mm -hmm. at the funeral, that's that stepsister who tried to drown me <laughs> was there. Woo! I'm still, um, I'm still being worked on. <laughs> I did not disrespect her though. I embraced her. I kept those ideas in that conversation alone. Um, we all know what the truth was and what happened and stuff, but mm -hmm. that was so long ago, you know, like why? Why did you bring it up at this moment? So yeah, just, just learning to move past certain things and to just focus on as much positivity as, as possible um, has really helped us to build those bridges over time mm -hmm. and just to let the adults do their thing and also make sure that we establish our own connections and our own stories and build our own memories aside from Absolutely. I think it's interesting how all of us, we have different stories or our families are a little bit different, but at the root of it, it's just a matter of um, respect, which makes our little our little uh, clans different from each other, but make them just the same. I know that a lot of people have um, a lot different things when their families come together, if their families come together. Um, if someone was to ask, um, like say someone was to get into a, a, a blended family or like um, the guy I talked to, he's the only child. So if someone was to ask, how do I start adapting this behavior to be closer to my family or uh, each other in team settings? What kind of advice would you be able to give? If I can jump right back in on the note I just left and say, that same idea of establishing your own personal connections um, so that the energy that I'm bringing to my sister isn't coming from my mother and her mother who did have a physical fight. <laughs> I mean, it, it was ugly, right? You can only imagine both two women, both pregnant, finding out they got the same baby daddy and all that stuff. So creating our own connection, um, not believing in hearsay, because people will tell whatever story will make them look good at, at, at the time. And um, uh, so in, in an organization or a team setting, it's making sure that you have personal connections with each person in, mm -hmm. individually. And you always take it to the source mm -hmm. before hearsay and all the other like stuff that begins to fester, rumors and things of that nature. Take it to the source, air out, air it all out, get to the bottom line and focus on the truth. Mm -hmm. um, in time, especially as, as children, um, just navigating what to say, when to say it, how much to share, uh, how much is too much too soon for different ages, but also remembering to not underestimate children mm -hmm. and their ability to understand things because there's things that were kept from us at certain, you know, up to a certain age that I realized I actually knew some of, or I noticed it myself and didn't have the, the courage to ask more questions at that time mm -hmm. because of the uh, respectability politics, if you will, to mm -hmm. you know, adult children. But um, 
it would have been more helpful to me to navigate that situation earlier or to process it better, um, knowing that none of it was my fault at that time as a mm -hmm. child. Because you know, children tend to think that things are their fault when they're around certain parents. So you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cause their cause more friction. So I'm not going to ask these things, or I'm not going to ask to spend more time over here because there may be some tension. Mm -hmm. So allowing children to speak up and um, using their voice early on to ask questions and just being honest to the extent that um, is, I'm trying to say healthy. I, I know it's, it's always a fine line, right? But just trying to navigate mm -hmm. that and um, letting children speak up. I do want to tap in because I, I know I asked a question, but I think, Renisha, you said a lot of things to kind of... Um, honed in to me, um, honed in on kind of like my thoughts because our family, we have a special family. And um, when, uh, even as a child in our community, we grew up in, Alana and I grew up in Mississippi and everybody else was in Houston, in Texas. Um, even as a child, when we found out we had siblings, there were people saying, you don't want to be around them people. Those people ain't no good. There were people saying things to us and we're sitting here, it's 9, 10, 11, 12. And so I was excited to know I have big sisters and big brothers because for my mom's kids, we're the oldest. And I was like, yes, I have a big sister and big brothers. But then people are saying, oh, no, you don't want to be around those people. So when we actually did get to meet them, um, it was it was the excitement of these are normal people. <laughs> these are people just like us. So I think um, of what you said about being aware of children, children are people too. And I like the fact that you, that's not, I mean, I paraphrased it, but that's pretty much what you said. And I, I did, I do like the fact that you said that. I think, Rhonda, it looked like you was going to say something. Oh. I was going to, um, I was going to say, um, for me, I, I like have this mission in life to help people in blended families. We just had cousins over this past weekend. Um, they've been married. I think they told me eight years. And I was just listening to a conversation and, and they were, a, a daughter was coming for the summer. She's, they were going to pick her up. She's going to spend the summer with her, with them. And I said, okay, so y'all, y'all ready? They said, oh, she stayed with us before. I said, yeah, she stayed with y'all before, but she's been part of a whole different world for a whole year. Um, she's going to come into your world and, um, she's going to have to adapt to a, a new way of doing things and it's going to take time. Um, so it's stuff like that. The way I try to help individuals to give them a glimpse into what a blended family, a healthy blended family looks like. And also some of the obstacles that they're experiencing that they may not realize the reason they're experiencing it is because they're in a blended family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he said he made a statement. He said, I try to tell her, you know, some things, but she thinks I don't know what I'm talking about. Blah, 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 blah. Well, he's telling her things specifically about his daughter and how she should treat his daughter. And she's obviously that she may not receive that well. Um, but I, it, it was an opportunity to say, hey, look here, you all, because she, and then she said, we argue over things that we just should not be arguing over. I said, it's probably because you really have not sat back and, and thought about what your world looks like now that y'all are together. Y'all just brought, you. she has a son um, that she brought into the marriage. He has a daughter that he brought into the marriage and they're trying to do life as if that's normal. <laughs> and so 
I so what I do to help them adapt is paint a picture for them of their reality. You have all these different worlds that you're bringing together, and that child has to try to figure out where he fits in. He or she fits in every time she changes worlds. He or she changes worlds because you're going to whip them back into your way of doing things this summer. But the reality is all that stuff that you're trying to get out of her, that's her reality when she goes back to her new world. And they're going to whip everything out of her that y'all just put in. <laughs> so it's really helping them understand what's a healthy way you know, to think through where you are in this relationship, where you want to be, and how these different worlds coming together are impacting you mentally and impacting your decisions and your conversations. That's from a blended family perspective. In team building, I use the exact same thing. Same thing. Respect people. Understand where they are. Get to know them. You know, what's their story? Because their story is going to tell you why they act a certain way, why they do certain things, why they may not feel you. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but then you're not just learning that um, to use it against them. You're learning it so it can help you communicate in a healthy way with them. Right. Um, for me, um, the way I would explain it to someone is to first um, look internally, understand who you are as an individual and how you may be able to um, bring a different perspective of your life into someone else's before bringing them into what you're used to. Um, you, you know, adaptation in itself is trying to learn how to fit in. Um, and if you can't fit in with your own personality, and if you can't fit in with your own understanding of how things operate, then how do you think someone who's looking at you is going to be able to understand you for an individual and then listen to you trying to teach them something? No. So I think for me, you have to learn who you are as an individual, look within self, internalize yourself, and then if you have the understanding of what you can bring to an individual, then you step out and say, hey, I know who I am. Let me explain to you who, who Rhonda is. And you tell me who you are. And now I can understand from your point of view, okay, so I think we have this in common or we have that in common. And then now we can both move on with learning each other and how we can navigate our um, future together so that for me the ad adaptation is an internal start to make sure you know you and then pass on your wisdom to the next person and can i just add this one thing as i was thinking about it because we're giving all this great this is how you mm -hmm. do it um, but at the end of the day you have to have a measure of drama control i call it drama control because that's really what makes the difference um, how um, I heard Ronisha say some things, you know, she just don't want to go there. You know, it's you have to, because the reality is drama is around every corner. Everybody's going to have something to say or perspective that you don't agree with and vice versa. So you have to have a certain measure of drama control where you just bear it and say, I'm not going there. You know, I want a certain level of happiness and peace and I want this unit to work. So we're not going to entertain the drum. <laughs> so that that's, that's and, and, and normally a person who does that gets the most flack, but they also it's usually share. But as you bear with it, 
you actually create this cohesive unit um, with the people in your circle. Mm -hmm. They start respecting that, you know, okay, when we're in this circle, it's no drama here, or you're going to have drama, but it's mm -hmm. going to be limited. Somebody's going to say something. It's yeah. not accepted. It's not the norm. It should not be the norm. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a, we have a family group chat where we'll talk and we'll celebrate stuff and we'll do everything. And the minute somebody come in with like something negative, it's usually always sharing to come in like, oh, okay, so we're going to just move on to something else. Completely. It's like, she doesn't ignore it, but it's like, we're not going to focus on that. We just oh, don't, we don't, don't change the subject. She says, this is not the place for this conversation. Yes. You start another group chat to have this conversation. And yes. I'm at work like, oh, clutching my pearls. I know, right? Yeah. I, so wish, I, had a, I wish I had a family group chat. Ranisha, you want to be in my group chat? You start one. Start one. I was about to say. Because we started ours and it has grown. It is, it's just beautiful. Um, the things that are, even now y'all notice the young generation getting in on it now. Yes. Our I young, uh, our, our niece, my nieces and that, my son and stuff, they're, they're chiming mm -hmm. in before. You wouldn't even know they was part of the group chat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Now, all of a sudden they're sharing stuff. They're Saying, you know, giving a high five. We're creating a, a, a unit, right, for us um, where you can be safe and you can feel loved and you can be celebrated. Mm -hmm. well, one thing that I think I love the most about our family, aside from the fact that we get along like we do, everything is a celebration. Um, where <laughs> Where two or three are gathered, you know, God is in the presence. But whether when there's three, at least three curries in a, a gathering, it's a, it's a shindig. It's a yeah, kick. Okay. People coming through <laughs> the plates, uh, playing some kind of game with cards. Um, we're getting ready in two weeks to celebrate my dad's birthday with our um, with our annual get together that we had to pause because of COVID. Um, but I realize a lot of families don't do that. Even growing up, my mom's side of the family. We used to have family reunions and there's hundreds of people with the same last name. Do you think that um, the culture of how our parents grew up affected how they created families and how in turn we create our families or how we navigate family familiar relationships? Um, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Um, it's interesting. So my dad was the runt of the litter. Um, and he was passed on a lot of the um, the perks, I guess, um, that came along with being my grandfather's child, right? So my grandfather sent all his other children to school, made sure their moms was taken care of, all of those things. Meanwhile, my dad of all people was, if you let him tell it, was the most mistreated, right? Um, he'll tell stories of having to walk five miles to and from school on an empty stomach. Um, he had, it had to be the auntie that was at the market. And mind you, this is in Haiti. So not United States five miles. This is five miles, dry heat to and from school. So Mississippi probably is the closest. Y'all y'all kind of understand where we're coming from. And so, you know, he tells a story about like how his dad really wasn't there for him. But in his dad's final days, he was everything for his dad. And it was one of those situations where I, I think it is, he didn't want for us what was done for him, to him. So 
his parenting style kind of adjusted with the child, right? I'm hyper motivated because my mom didn't really want anything but the le- but greatness for me. Um, my other siblings kind of did things on their own accord, um, but whatever it is that we wanted, he made sure he 100%, whatever he could support that. Um, my mom, on the other hand, um, she had to work early as a as a as a youth and when she got the opportunity to come to the states she came out here um for her it was more of a getting out of the rat race and i think her mission was to make sure and i think like my dad's similar not uh, not allow us to go through what she did my mom didn't finish college high school my dad didn't finish middle school from my understanding my mom when she came in she hit the ground running, working in factories, long hours, finally got her GD, finally got her CNA to start really making some decent money. I say all that to say is like, she instilled the fact that it's never enough, continue to push forward, continue to push for what you want. Um, I think their, their upbringings led them to kind of, being the parents that they were, because my mom on the other side um, my sisters, my mom and my sister's dads weren't married. Um, and so, but my sister's dad was married to another lady. So my sisters have about 15 other siblings on top of them. And then I think three other, three other ladies, right. And my mom was one of them. So it was one of those situations where my mom adjusted to that blended lifestyle so easily because she had to do it out of necessity to an extent. Um, And so when it came to coming here, my dad already had two children. Um, It was really nothing to kind of, I met like she married my dad. So it was nothing to kind of blend them in. I I see pictures today of me in the crib and my siblings holding me or grabbing me or, you know, me reaching out for one of them. So she always, regardless of, you know, the, the feelings for the other moms made sure that those siblings were always in my life. Um, and so I, I think culture has something to do with it. But I think as a first generation um, Haitian American, they wanted me to not go through a quarter or a tenth of what they went through because them not having led to me having abundantly at this point. And I'm blessed for all of that. That's my two cents. Mm-hmm. It was. It, I think it was five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. Um, for me, um, the culture of how our parents grew up. I want to start by saying our father had no education, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know that till I was. Well, I didn't know that until I was in my teens because you wouldn't have looked at him like someone who was less than or someone who, as the word would be, illiterate or anything like that, because he was so uh, jack of all trades type of individual. So I think he his upbringing taught him to not uh, think of himself as less than because he does not have the education that somebody else may have. Um, and coming with my mom, who is all about education, um, you know, I think they balanced each other out um, to a standpoint to where 
their upbringing helped them both to solidify their relationship. Um, you know, and she respected him despite the educational aspect of the, of the situation. And he respected her because of the educational aspect and what she could bring to the family that they were about to bring in. Um, so for me, I think that's how um, it affected the creation of us <laughs> and how they came up with understanding. I respected, from my mom's point of view, I respected your dad. I didn't throw his education um, at him. I didn't disrespect him nor his mom and his family who did not like me. You know, that type of upbringing um, from her standpoint helped him to see that, oh, um, it doesn't have to be a negative connotation for us to um, be a unit. Um, so when they brought us into the fold, um, you know, it just seemed to help with the navigation of the rest of the family. How do we respect someone else over here? How do we handle um, a, another mom over there? You know, so it was more so I think their understanding of each other's background and not negating anything that either of the two brought to the table that helped them and, and affected how we um, saw anyone else, even in our, um, you know, even friends or their family members, how we viewed them. Because if you didn't have the education, at no point in time did we look down on you. Uh, or if you didn't have the, um, the job that paid all the money, we're not going to look down on you. Um, and that came from our parents coming together, knowing that both of them together brought uh, wealth to, to us, as opposed to just knowing that um, I could be negative to you, you can be negative to me, and we can make this a toxic situation. Um, they together made a decision to make sure that it's a positive vibe, or all, not all the time, no, no, don't get it twisted. We have had the drama, as Sharon said. Um, and still have drama in certain aspects. Um, but if for the most part. Um, I think, Roderick, on that point, I think it's important that we say, because we, we paint this beautiful picture. Make no mistake about it. Our mom stabbed our dad. We was in need of shootings. Um, let me tell the real thing. Mean, don't make yeah. no mistake. Our mom jumped the stepmom before. before. That's how that marriage right. ended. Um, we, we, we. We had all that drama. We had a lot of violence, a lot of violence in our upbringing. It was not unusual to be around fussing, fighting, cursing, drugs. So make no mistake about it. Our story is very unique because we're not supposed to be um, this unit that we are today. When you think through the dynamic, all, all the drama and the, and the violence that was going on that we had that we were faced with yeah um, and then Sharon when you're saying that it also goes to how much respect daddy had for us also because when we first started coming there in the summers we had not been around arguing and fighting stuff like that and when him and our, our stepmom would argue and fuss and fight me and Ashley were just like <laughs> but when we talked to him and told him like that made us feel uncomfortable and that was not something we were used to he made it a point to not do that anymore in front of us mm -hmm. or when we were around or anything like when we came, he made sure that 
none of that happened because we expressed to him that it made us uncomfortable. And that just went to show like how we had respect for our parents, but they also had respect for us and our feelings too. Mm-hmm. So that, that leads me to ask you, Ranisha, and coming right to you, right? Um, you you had mentioned earlier about the respect that the mutual respect and understanding that your fathers had, and I say it plural, right? Your dad and your father. Um, was your grandmother the only toxic person in that situation, or and you know did you find it that because because I know you mentioned that you tried your best to talk to your mom and they wouldn't do like anything that would be as toxic as grandma. But what was that like for you? Because I I can't imagine going through, you said you met her at 11 and then reconciled at 18. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So my grandmother, when, when my mother and my sister's mother were pregnant with us, I had a stabbing situation too. My, my mom stabbed my dad while he was trying to get her off of my, (laughs) my sister's mom type of thing. And my daddy will still call me to the day and be like, yo, you know your mama crazy, right? And I have to remind him, I know what happened, daddy. I know the whole story. <laughs> um, because at that time, um, my grandmother was trying to do things to my mom. Like back in the day, you didn't have um, uh, Carl waiting. If you call somebody, you would literally be able to just leave the phone off the hook and they wouldn't be able to call anybody else or, or use that phone for the rest of the evening. So, so there, there were times when my grandmother would call my mom and just leave the phone off the hook and just talk about her so she couldn't use her phone. Little things like that, you know. So um, there are some of my dad's siblings, um, his sisters and um, brothers took to me and were cool with my mom. And then some of them chose my sister's mom. So there was a split in relationship in that way. Um, my dad didn't want to deal with any of it. He up and left and lived, moved to a whole new city and married a whole different woman and started a whole new family. So dynamic wise, in relation to the other question as well, he began to um, uh, live his life totally opposite of how he grew up in a household where there was a lot of drama and negativity and toxicity and things like that. He wanted peace in his life and he left everything behind and moved and created something where he had the daughter, son, wife, husband, nuclear family in this whole new city and this whole new life that I didn't get to see a a seat until I was 21. Mm -hmm. Um, So that answers the last question, but building on um, the toxic energy, it came predominantly from my dad's mother. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was that person. Because even after she passed away, I began to develop a better relationship with my other aunts and, and uncles. Um, and my dad kind of helped me navigate that a bit too, but you could still tell there was a, 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 a little bit of tension based upon whose loyalty lied with which mother at that time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there was toxicity there as well as, I know this is live and all, but truth is the truth. Um, the way that my sister grew up, her mother was upset with, with my dad and she grew up not liking my dad, hating my dad. Um, having a very negative relationship with him that is still the same way to this day. Mm. So in contrast, the way my mother uh, navigated the situation, she let me know what happened. She was honest, but she also uh, allowed me to build my own relationship with my dad and create my own connection that was positive. 
Um, there were times when I had negative encounters with my father, but I also um, held on to the to the the good times, if you will. So, you know, there's everybody had their their um, their faults, their their toxic roles in the whole situation in general over time, but um, the majority of it has um, become a lot more positive as people have gotten older and matured. I'm still, I, I, I will share that um, I've been doing some shadow work myself to unpack some of my own insecurities or um, uh, just things I'm trying to navigate. And I realized that in my relationships, not only intimately, but even professionally, the way that I um, uh, deal with people in authority, um, authoritative roles is related to how I navigated my relationship with my father. Um, knowing so, that, so I, I want to. I actually want to want you to expand on that because um, that's the next question I wanted to ask, right? Like, how did, and then this is for everyone, right? How did, and I, I like you to continue, Anisha. How did your blend family experience allow you to show up in society, right? And as you continue relationships, work, friendships outside of the family, right? Like. How did that really have an impact? Because it sounds like for you, um, it was troubling because in some areas, um, that divide between you and your dad really had a long, long-term experience, long-term impact on you. I'm still dealing with it now. Um, I actually just, just wrote a poem called Respect, where I literally just told him everything I needed to say, that you will respect me. Um, even though you are the adult, you are my father. I have a voice and I have um, uh, a, a, a right to my own feelings and you will respect me. Um, and so in that shadow work process, I was I, I figured out that um, he, my relationship with him has impacted my relationship in my career, with other adults in my life um, in, in ways that um, I, always respected authority to a fault, where even as an adult, I didn't always speak up for myself. I would kind of go along with the flow, trying to be the peacemaker. And even when I tried to make my voice heard, um, allow other people who were in authority to shut me down and not push back like I should have. It's just now that I'm realizing that's what it's been and trying to figure out how did I even allow certain people in authority um, in, in professional settings to treat me in certain ways. I should say mistreat me in certain ways. And I've usually been that person who, if, if I'm not comfortable, I will up and leave that job. I've quit jobs. I've walked out, uh, woke up and packed everything out of my office and was gone the same day type of thing. So I'm just now in my, in, at this phase of my life, getting to a point where I can just cut stuff off and be like, I'm out, I'm out. I will not take anyone disrespecting me. And I was just recently able to unpack and figure out where that came from. And it was dealing with my father who would say things to me at times out of his own frustration with the situation that I just took it and just tried to focus on the positive but at some point you got to stop and deal with those negative toxic things that, um, yes, my dad would say certain things to me. He would get drunk and he would just talk at the side of his neck 
and say stuff that I would just take it as a child. But as an adult, I'm like, nah, bruh. I'm just gonna hang up in your face and do what I gotta do. I love you. I will never disrespect you, but you're not gonna disrespect me either. I, w- I would rather just not talk to you at all and, and let you decide when you wanna talk to me with respect, then we can have a conversation. Until then, I'm good. Yeah. Just having that, 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 that awareness allowed me to stand up for myself, even with people who I know and love, who I try to honor, but it has to be mutual, period. Right. I'll add, um, like for me, there's two aspects to my personality that I know stem from my um, blended family um, ex- ex- experience. Um, this this growing up, um, like I said, there was a lot of violence. So cursing, screaming, yelling, fighting, that was real. That was a, a norm. And I remember making a conscious decision because I moved out at the age of 19 um, that the reason I wanted to move out because I needed some peace and quiet in my life. I, I, I wanted to create an atmosphere where I didn't have to be caught up in the middle of the violence, the yelling, screaming, cursing, fighting, because that's how people communicate it. So in our family, respect is there, but it has a double-edged sword. We grew up where you do, like my sister said, um, what is it? Kids don't speak. They're, they're not seen or heard. You know, kids, you just do what your parents and they put this level of fear in you, um, um, in you and you follow the rules. So it worked for us in the sense that we respected each other. We learned to love each other in our unit of our siblings, but it did not work in society because being quiet um, create puts you in this box um, that puts all these limitations on you. You limit yourself and your ability to actually grow and excel because you're, you're following all these rules. You have all these um, hierarchies um, that you're trying to attend to because you need to respect the hierarchy. Um, so I had to learn. I started in corporate America at age 18. I'm working in an executive office. And I was I brought that respect into it that I grew up with, and, and I kept realizing, wait a minute, these people, it's, it's like I'm there, but I'm not there. <laughs> um, you use me because I, I have this intellect that can help you, but you're not helping me get anywhere. And I'm I'm assisting you in that behavior because I respect your authority. Um, so. I made a conscious effort when I realized early on, probably by the age of 20, 21, no, I, I can't do that. I have to start pushing the limits and that's gonna come across as Sharon being disrespectful. But it's gonna be okay because Sharon is a full adult. I'm full grown. I tell people all the time, I say, I say you little grown, I'm full grown. Um, full grown means that I'm ready to take on the repercussions that come with my actions. And that means that I'm not gonna come across the way that you may think I should. And in our culture, um, working in a predominantly um, white environment, um, I, I, I broke out real early on. I was that girl who um, would say, feel just as comfortable in an executive meeting as the executives, as the managing directors. People was like, who is she? She's the executive assistant. Her? Yeah. That's Sharon, you know, so I had to learn that there were some things that I grew up with that 
worked for me and they worked against me. And one was, um, I don't do drama well at all. I, I will shut it down really quickly because I need my peace of mind. I'm a happy and a better person. And it's because I, I tell people, oh, y'all think I don't do drama because I'm just, uh, no, I grew up in it. I know it. I know the impact of it. I know the effect of it. I know how it mess, messes with your psyche and puts you in a dark place that is hard to come from. I don't want to go back mm -hmm. there. So Sharon's not going to do drama. And I'm not that person that told the line in, in certain settings. I push the limit. Um, and it's based on what makes sense for me and the people around me. I take into consideration the people around me as well. And I want other people to see, you know, whether they're black, I don't care what color. I want you them to see you do not have to be this person that goes below the radar. You are meant to be so much more and you need to push some limits in order to make that a reality. Well, I'm totally different for Sherry. Bring the drama. Um, you know, <laughs> this is true. That is true. <laughs> um, I, I found that the way um, our family impacted my adulthood um, in team settings and work settings um, is that I, I meet no strangers. Um, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt when they approach me. I try very, uh, very hard to formulate my own opinion of people, despite what I may have heard about them prior to meeting them, um, because it, from our family standpoint, you know, like we said, you know, it's four of us today, but then somebody jumped in another time and then we, we ended up with nine. So you always accepted people um, and respected that person who you were accepting. So for me, I do the same with uh, adults and people in social settings. Um, I am what my husband will say. I am the social butterfly uh, because I have, uh, like Ashley said earlier, a family who where one or two are gathered, we're having a party. Um, it's going to be easy for me to blend in in a group. Now, I can't speak as a personal speaker in front of a, in front of an audience, but if I'm blending into that group, I'm I'm very comfortable in that social aspect. So for me, um, I I can say that for work wise, it helped me to um, not be so frigid with the individuals who are coming into my circle and to also be able to see and listen to what they may be saying at that time to allow me to um, navigate through the conversation a little bit better because um, you know sometimes people just start having a whole conversation about something different and thinking that you don't know anything about that topic and I'm again I'm talking about the corporate work world um, trying to uh, test your intellect. They don't know where I come from. Um, so they don't know. I could, I look, I can talk to you about what happened on the corner this morning and I can talk to you what, about what happened at time, the times, um, you know, <laughs> this afternoon, um, Wall Street, you know, so do not, um, you know, think that just because my appearance um, shows you that I may not be on your level, you don't know my upbringing and how you know, being around different social um, environments with my family, different levels of, um, I don't want to say poverty, but levels of financial um, stability, you know, how we've gone from dead broke to something and still building, um, you know, and it's 
just because I'm in your setting doesn't mean that I'm not aware of how to act within that setting. Um, so it, the family, the upbringing, the blendedness, your, their personalities, Alana's, Ashley, Sharon's all came together to allow me to know how I should uh, react to a certain personality, such as um, Alana, who is a little bit more docile and quiet. So I can't come with my loudness all the time. You know, I need to bring it down a little bit. Or Sharon, who's more direct and abrasive in some of her speech, I need to be able to debate. <laughs> you know, so I, I definitely understand the different personalities of how I pull that from my family that helps me through my social circles now. So, so Alana, you wanted to speak up. Go ahead. I'll, I'll oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I just recently learned that like, apparently I appear to be quiet to everybody, but most of the time it's because I'm paying attention to stuff. Like I'm paying attention to everything around me. Um, but that's because with my family, it's like, you really, you, it's not that you have to pay attention. You kind of just want to pay attention because you're really trying to observe every single thing going on around you because you never really know what could be happening. It could be like four or five different storylines playing out around you. And it's like, I got to be quiet because I'm trying to hear this story and how it's related to this story and how it's going to be related to this story. So I'm like, deep down, I'm just nosy and I'm going to pay attention to everything until I can piece it together. And then when I piece it together, I got you. I can, I can she gets Sharon all the yeah. time. I call Lana. Okay, Lana, give me an update. What was this? Here? What happened here? And who did this? And what was yes. I do the same thing at work. Like they, mm -hmm. they, they're like, we just had a lunch the other day and I was just talking about everything we've been talking about at our meetings and how one person is like doing this in the meetings and everything else. And they're like, we thought you were just really quiet. I'm like, no, I'm paying attention. I'm observing y'all. I'm trying to gather what I know about you so I can be able to understand you better, but I'm paying attention to everything you're doing. <laughs> Even when you don't think I'm paying attention, I'm paying attention. So that kind of came from my family because it's like you really you have to pay attention to everything. You can't just focus on one person or focus on this thing. You have to pay attention to the whole because the whole group tells a story and it's a drastic, drawn out story, but it's a great story. So you just have to learn how to pay attention to it. Yeah, I think it's a baby thing, right? Like as the baby, you got to be like, sit back. Watch all these grownups make their mistakes <laughs> and then realize I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Because listen, they didn't spare the ride when I was growing up, right? <laughs> I was mischievous. I was curious. Um, but then as I grew up, you know, I'm that person when I go places, I either want to be by myself or I just sit in the corner. I like to be a fly on the wall in every room if I could be. But I'm pretty sizable man, so I can't be missed in the room. Um, but I, I, I like what you said, Alana. You know, coming from a blended family, um, when I go places for the first time, I'm not, you know, I can't be like Rhonda and just jump in in the mix and just kind no. of, you know, it's it's so uncomfortable. I don't know people. I don't know how to react to me. Um, I don't know how to react to them. They may not like my sense of humor they may not like my directness you know what i mean like i feel like I'm, i have a blend of all of you but mm -hmm. you don't see past alana unless i feel comfortable around you yeah you know what I mean? and i think like mm -hmm. as a baby you've learned 
or as the last child or one of the last children, you've learned to become a chameleon, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have literally pockets of friends. So yeah. like, part of the question was also like, how did, how do you show up in relationships? And um, I recently got married. Congrats. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was you. a beautiful wedding. Thank you, thank you. And I had to figure out how to orchestrate my my different pockets into one plate. So I'm literally calling people, hey, I know you got problems with such and such. You good or you not invited? I'm good, I'm good. All right. Hey, I heard you got problems with such and such and such and such. You good or you not invited? So people got friendly because they wanted to go to Morocco. So I appreciate that if y'all watching. But um, I say all that to say it's like, you know, having grown up with so many personalities, you somehow kind of grow up with multiple personalities, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it's where you can, like, I literally can fit in everywhere once I get comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's rarely that I'm able to get into a room once I've got myself or the, the ice has been broken. And, and the biggest thing for me is somebody either has to do an introduction or the ice has to be broken by the other party. Once that ice is broken, you get all parts of me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I, 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 I bring that up to, to actually follow up on the other part is like romantically, how have our blended family impacted our ability to one, consider seeking? Because Ramisha, you mentioned, mentioned earlier, you, you're considering you know, if somebody comes around and they have a child, you're open to the idea that, hey, you know what, um, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting of it. You've come to peace with that. And I believe Rhonda and Sharon, you both too are in a blended family or have acquired a blended family. Not, how did this blended family experience impact the way you saw relationships? Because, you know, whether they had a child or not, you're still kind of like interacting with their family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You have to. Because that's major. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's, um, it, I actually, I wanted to be that mother hen, that, that step, that, that stepmom that came in to the picture and, and embrace the, 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 the kids, you know, of, of the other individual. I wanted to be that example where they can feel comfortable and they can feel love um, because I had um, that experience. Um, not that, keep in mind, there were four women in, in, in our family and when my dad and my stepmom, we went through all kinds of stuff, you know, with our stepmom trying, like I told my sister, I said, you know, when I thought about my our stepmom, um, she was young, she came from a single family, she was the only child she didn't have no relatives or anything like that. And we expected her to be uh, an angel to us. <laughs> that was not realistic. She didn't have nothing to go on. No, her parents had died by the time we were really connected. So I said, she didn't have anything to, to pull from to help her, to help her understand the dynamics of actually matter of fact back then i don't think many people did because it wasn't something that was talked about it was actually mm -hmm. a taboo to be yes, in a blended family you didn't even want to tell people that you were part of the blended family mm -hmm. so that was a stigma so for sharon because i had a i had a, a i guess a, a balanced experience i had the the drama and the craziness but i i had my 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 siblings you know 
we made it work. It was beautiful. And I said to myself, you know, if I'm in a blended family, if I see a guy and I see their kid, I automatically get giddy. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I want to be the best stepmother you've ever had. Um, I want you to have a wonderful experience and I'm going to do my best to protect you from the crazy. So that's how it impacted me. I actually, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm completely I, I, opposite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we grew up with it and I understand it and it's a beautiful thing. Ours is a great family, but unlike Sharon, I never look at anybody that has children or anything because I'm like, I don't have the patience gifted to me by God like Sharon <laughs> to navigate that situation at all. I am, I'm very nice most of the time. Don't do your eyes like that actually. I am nice most of the time, but I don't tolerate disrespect like very well. And once you are negative towards me, I pretty much hold it against you probably for the rest of your life. So I'm not where Sharon is yet. So the blended family thing, I know for me, it would never work. Not right now, but I don't see it changing anytime soon either. So yeah. Renisha. If I may, um, two words came to mind, layers and language. Let me start with layers. Um, the idea that our experiences as children um, make us who we are as adults. And even if we're working on certain parts of things that we, do, that we don't want to carry on, there may be some lingering things under the, under the layers still like um it 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 came up um when i was thinking about how i believe Rhonda, you were saying how you know that your experiences have have made you um um able to be in any environment you you never meet a stranger you can make friends anywhere you go and i i thought about that for myself and like how my dad chose to leave that this situation here in Arizona, go all the way to Tennessee and start a whole new life and build his 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 peace, his his sanctuary, Sharon, as you were saying, you know, to find that peace. But there's still some parts of him that still draw from the negativity that show up in his relationship with with us as his children. Um, and then for myself, I realized as much as I am a social butterfly too. I'm an international teacher, so I can really go anywhere in the world and live and start a whole new life. But I, I, I'm still having to consciously be aware of the layers that I had to un unpack um, to make sure that I'm still growing out of anything that's still lingering. Um, and then the word language came to mind because of the idea of step parent. And I've, I've heard recently people saying stuff like bonus mother, bonus parent, um, I'm the bonus dad, um, and then a co co-parenting um, and just looking at how certain people have been able to come together and really co-parent. They're, they're not together anymore, but they can be at peace. They can make this work. And even today, there's people, I know I'm, I'm, I'm over 40, but there's people who are like, yo, so you, we can go half on a baby, right? <laughs> like, wait a minute. What, what do you mean by that? I don't want to be with you. No, no, no. We, we can just still, still go half on a baby. I'm like, no. Like the idea of co-parenting just to have children um, without being together in a relationship. Is that possible? Is that something to even explore? 
I probably won't do that. <laughs> Just being who I am, I still want a family. But there's there's new dynamics that are being, you know, mm-hmm. put out Accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extended families, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that whole going half on a baby's been something that's been out for a while now. Yeah. And um, I mean it 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 was a play on the taboo of having children out of wedlock, right? And you know, you have you still have people you have people out here that are in some common laws in, in some commonwealth company um states are common law wife and husband, right? Because they've been in a relationship for so long that they felt like it wasn't necessary to lack of a better word, like mess things up with the contract, right? Um <laughs> and you know, but that's how they some people see it. They see it as we're doing very well without having to gone into that, having not having gone into that. And I don't mind going half on a baby, right? I don't mind us building a life without having to go that far. Uh, but I do actually like where this conversation is going because I, I think a lot of the times we, and I think to Alana's point, like having gone through a blended family I was apprehensive at first at dating somebody with a child. Um, it's a lot of work, especially when you're young, um, primarily because if he's if he's a, a girl dad, you're lost. <laughs> if he's a guy of a boy dad, you're good, right? If she's a if she's a um, a boy mom, you're good. If she's a girl mom, it's it's a struggle. And the reason I say it's a struggle is because, like, oh, let, let me rephrase. It's not a struggle. It's a challenge, right? Um, one that it's, it's up to the individual to want to take on. Because that, that child will be first and foremost, first and foremost in their life. Um, you are going to have to acknowledge that as much as you want to be part of that person's child, like Sharon, you are the real MVP on this panel because the rest of us is like, listen, um, I don't mind being a stepdaddy, but I don't know how, I, I still don't know how to navigate those fields of boundaries and understanding, you know, when and where I would come into that mix in being that bonus dad or stepdad, right? Because let's be honest, at certain points, that person won't be able to discipline the way they would have if it was their own child, right? And the buck stops right there. I'm not saying like, you know, you take the whole rod, right? But you know, there there are certain aspects that let's be let's just be very one hundred percent honest. Like, your stepmom couldn't have disciplined you the way your mom could, and your mom sure enough wasn't going to let your stepmom discipline you the way she would. But that's Maybe that's just me and Ramisha's side of the table, not necessarily the other side of the table, right? Because if if stepmom was coming for, for dad with the gun and the knife, who knows what she would do if you beat my child or you lay hands on my child? Like, I think those are also some things that we should also look at. Um, and Sharon, if you got resolves to that part of the concern, I'm open ears. I mean, granted, for me, it's too, it's not too late, but... I'm I'm out of the I'm out of that dating pool now, right? But for somebody that's like interested, how do you navigate that? Because I understand wanting to make that child feel safe, that child feel loved, 
but there's also boundaries that you have to like safely navigate when it comes to becoming a bonus or being blended into somebody else's family. Sharon? I personally think that it comes from um, the adults um, that's involved. Um, that's just my two cents or one cent, Sharon. You finished the other cent. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I could not hear anything that was being said until Rhonda started speaking. I couldn't hear anything. For some reason, when she started speaking, I could hear. So what I was saying was, um, can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. I can hear you okay. now. Verizon, send me a check. Um, uh, um, how do you navigate the, the discipline aspect of being a bonus mom or entering into a blended family? Because that's a point of contention for a lot of people, um, especially when it's, you know, you're, you're, you're fully ingrained into that family, but yet there's a threshold to how you can discipline that child or children. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so how did I navigate that? Um, it was a conversation between all the parents. Um, we all needed to be on the same page. Um, it, um, my son's, um, my son lived, my, my husband, his, his stepdad, his bonus dad, um, but his dad very active in his life. Um, so if, if, and my son's um, became, we became a blended family when my son was like eight years old. So he was really young. Um, and so, He's 27 now, but at the time it was a conversation because um, you know my my husband I was the disciplinarian I did pretty good at um, getting on my son and my so much so my husband's like you can't be disciplining him like that that's a boy um, <laughs> so um, but it was a conversation with his dad and my husband saying hey Aaron's getting older he has a mouth on him you know something has to be done. Um, my husband's used to, you know, you get a whooping. Um, his dad was like, I don't want another man whooping on my son. Uh, <laughs> so let's find that happy medium. And the happy medium in that case was talking to my son and my um, son's father saying, I'm giving your stepdad, we've had a conversation. He will whoop you. You know, I'm giving the right to, to, for him to, to, to whoop you. He never did, but... <laughs> It was important that my son knew that he could um, for, for us. And like for my daughter, my husband's daughter, for me, it was, she was, she kind of like followed the rules. She, she, so it was never, I'm going to whoop her behind or nothing like that. But did she need to be disciplined? Yes, she did. And how I, I knew, I knew her mom. I wasn't even going to have a conversation. Ain't no sense in me even going there with her mom for her to just have something crazy to say to me. All right. Um, so I assessed that right off. We're not going to have no Sharon's thinking about whooping your daughter conversation because you're crazy and I'm not going to go there with you. Right. So, but she will be disciplined in my household. Um, and there's no answer for us about that. How that took place was the, the basic things. Um, she's punished, no allowance. Um, you know, we put certain things in place that you can't use your computer or give me the phone, Ashley, give me the phone, no text. It was, that's how we managed um, that. So she knew that, you know, there, there were like, and then there were times when she actually did need her butt whoop 
and her dad, I had a conversation with her dad and her dad handled that and she would get a whooping, but it would be her dad who administered the, the, um, but the y'all had a conversation <laughs> yeah. together. We had a conversation and we understood long as, you know, so we had to identify what the, a lot of times people don't do that. Right. It's just, I'm upset. You're, I'm going to whoop your child behind and the child hears it and go back and tell the parents and you got all this here foolishness. Um, going on, but we had conversations up front and we set those um, boundaries up front and the kids understood what they were up front and we all stuck to it. So uh, to, to follow up on that, how early is too early, right? To have that conversation because, you know- It's not too early. You have to, how early do kids start acting out? <laughs> well, the reason I ask that is, you know, um, you you all have your your individual families, right? You start dating, things start getting serious. Is it, you know, the rings on the finger on both people's fingers and then that conversation is had? Or it's once it gets really serious that the relationships get serious to the point where I'm gonna be here, so you're gonna respect me type of, is that that timing? Or is it like early on, like, look, you got kids, I got kids. They're only gonna turn into teens and become monsters. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with this early. <laughs> For me, early on, it was just setting the boundaries early on. It wasn't necessarily I was thinking about discipline, you know, my daughter or him thinking about discipline my son. It was just you knew if we're gonna be together and we were together, our kids were with us every time we were together before we got married. Something had to been we had to establish something how we were gonna handle like I remember when I saw my stepdaughter acting a certain way, I was in my mind, I was like, get him. You need, no, that's I, I was having this conversation <laughs> in my mind. Like, you know, and and I could tell my husband was uncomfortable, you know, like he didn't he wasn't sure how he should respond. Cause you gotta take in consideration embarrassing your child in front of the new woman. Yeah. The, the mental part of it. Embarrassing your son in front of the new man, the mental part of it. Um, so we had to take, and it just wasn't, I, I would say I'm a spiritual person. It was a God thing because we had to take a step back and say, hey, let's talk about how we're going to handle these situations because our kids seem, they love to act out when there's a new person on the scene, right? And we had to have a conversation. How are we going to handle these type conversations? And we had, I had a conversation with my son early on because early on, you're not even, talking to the other world the other parents you, they don't even really know you you really exist right mm. <laughs> when it's early on they're they're not fully aware they can only get bits and pieces from the kids um so early on we and i tell everyone have that conversation early on how that's going to be handled like for my daughter my husband she he pulls her to the side away from me they walk out many times we've been in a restaurant. Hey, come, come here, come, 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 come with me to the car. Or mm -hmm. I tell my son, I'm tapping him on the leg or I um, come, come with me. I need, I need, I need to talk to you. Right. And we walk away from that. And I have my moment with him. Now, when we go back in here, you're going to act like you got some sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have that conversation with him, but I'm not embarrassing him in that unit where he's trying to figure out his place. That, that's what I tell people right off. Just be mindful. They're trying to figure out their place right now. And you may not even be around um, so, in a month from now. <laughs> what was, so, and, and the only reason I'm, I'm picking on you, Sharon, is because you're the expert blended family person here right now. Um, so I really, you know, I want to make sure that our audience have like 
it's not peaches and cream, right? Oh um, no. <laughs> and so so having you know had your having gone through what you guys experienced, right? Where the parents were were able to kind of somehow make it seemingly look peaceful. Um, now that you're going through it in your phase, and we're not gonna bring back up what you said earlier about some particular individual, but um, at what point did you start having those conversations with the the other parent, right? And when, you know, what was that like for you? When, early, when you realize, well, that we're gonna be together, you know, we start talking about uh, marriage, you know, and things like that. Um, we moved in together. Um, she, my stepdaughter is going to come over. I pick her up. Like my husband work out of town. So the weekends that he had to have her, I was the one that was picking her up. I was responsible, you know, for getting her back to him for a home. So she, some weekends she was just me, her and my son. Mm. So that was early on when you realized that this, this is real, that this, this, this is happening. And obviously I'm fully aware of everything I'm doing with her. You know, if she's like, she probably didn't want to come with me. So now she has an attitude because her dad's not even going to be there. And so she's treating me some type of way. Mm. Um, so early on, it's okay. Have a conversation. When you start realizing this, my husband, okay, I'm going to get Ashley this weekend. Have a conversation with her beforehand. You know, lay out the rules of the road. Um, and then he checks in with me and say, hey, how's Ashley doing? You know, if she's acting a certain way, you know, I'll let him know. Guess what? When they have their time and he's talking to her, he's having a conversation. Sharon told me this, you know, can you do this? You know, having that conversation. But with the mom, I didn't even have a conversation with her mom about um, how I would discipline her. Her dad had that conversation mm. um, with, with, with her mom. That's where the relationship was. That's the person who needed to have that conversation. That's where a certain level of respect is at. Um, and that's the person who I felt needed to have that conversation. Like I had the conversation with my son's father. Then we brought, um, my husband in at the time, um, the person that was entering my son's life. We, then we brought him into the conversation. Um, so I always tell you the, the person who has the relationship, that's who, and they have to set the, the, like he would tell me right off, you know, okay, what'd she say? how she feel? Blah, blah, blah. Well, she said this here, da, 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 but I already told her that I'm the one that's going to be disciplined. Ashley, you know, she's having issues with adjusting, which makes sense, right? They're going to have issues. She's having issues with adjusting, you know, to these new dynamics. Um, he'll be the one if discipline is needed, you know, to administer the discipline. But I knew, you know, I still had some control um, if she's with me. Um, and if I had to take her phone, I'd have to tell her dad, please let Ashley mom know that I have her phone. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> because you have to, because her mom's going to try to call her. Mm -hmm. You're right. And, and I'm, I know there's no sense me starting drama. I know her mom's going to try to call her and she's not going to be able to get her because I took the phone. Right. You know, so I just let him know right off. Hey, let her know. And, and, and she was pretty cool. If she knew she understood. I would hear her having conversations, and after a while, she she'd be on board. Look, Miss um, Sharon hasn't done anything to you. You know, you need to act right. I would hear her her mom disciplining her. So, but the conversations had to start early on, and they had to continue. I mean, this is the long. I tell people all the time, this is the long game. Because even with my son was a year and a half older, and I say, hey, 
want to get air in the computer um you know for his room oh no he's 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 too old he's too young for that but the next year want to get ashley he wants to get ashley a computer the same age my son when you said no 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 so those dynamic is really hey you remember that conversation that we had about aaron now i gotta remember i gotta come back it's like you set a standard mm -hmm. i you know you set a standard um and so when i realized that that would happen when i say certain things and he say well maybe not now i said okay that's fine but remember next year when ashley she's going to be feeling the same way we need to hold the line mm. next year because um you know is is really foresight and thinking ahead of time yeah. um thinking through these obstacles that most people are kind of passive about but don't realize that you're arguing about them all the time <laughs> when at the end of the day is thinking ahead having the conversations up front setting the expectations putting boundaries in place and then sticking to them I think that's one of the things I've, as I've listened to um, all of our responses, I think that's one of the things that I keep hearing um, that we're one, we're extra observant of other, uh, whatever scenario we're in. I think also that we, because we have so we're, we're used to so many personalities or we're used to so many things, we can put ourselves in other people's shoes or we can think through situations a little better because we have our big blended families. Um, I'm absolutely loving this conversation. Um, but I think that was, was that one of the, that was the last question, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, so seeing as how that was the last question, I do want to ask, is there any, um, final thoughts or any, um, uh, things that you all had that you wanted to add to the conversation? And if not, um, do you guys have anything coming up? I know some of us are, um, influencers sharing. Uh, do you have anything coming up? Anything you want uh, people to know if you don't have any comments on any final comments on the discussion? I have a final comment. Um, I know that for everyone here, we brought our dynamic um, of our family blended um, from a childhood on up to our adulthood. Uh, I do want people who may listen to this to understand that you can only teach your children as much as they're willing to learn. And when they get of a certain age, they will then formulate their own opinion of the situation. So we cannot just try and um, put our feelings on, uh, on them and think that they're going to react the way we want them to act after they start, turn a certain age. So I just want people to understand that. Our parents did a great job um, in my eyes of making sure that we knew who we were, who your family is, who your siblings are. But in the long run, or as um, I think Renisha said earlier, or Sharon, the long game of the situation is, is that we cannot expect for them to continue on with that mindset um, throughout their adulthood as well, because there are certain things like Renisha said earlier that you're still learning. Um, so they may formulate their own opinion about the um, childhood that they were, uh, that they grew up in. So don't beat yourself up as a parent. <laughs> um, if they change their mindset of what you thought you were teaching them um, how to be a good individual, how to be a good child, how to be a good sibling, brother, whatever the situation may be. So that was the takeaway I want people to understand is that it's not always going to be nice, sweet, and rosy. 
um, sometimes what you put yourself through and what your your understanding of things is is that not going to be the way it ends up for the people who you're teaching. Mm-hmm. I'll, go ahead, Rabisha. Um, if I may, um, as a teacher of people across the whole board of different ages, um, one thing I, I've noticed is that children have a lot that they observe even things that we don't think they're paying attention to, they see it and it does, um, they are dealing with a lot more than we can realize. Um, I had students who actually wrote poetry and it was a elective course where they just really just poured their hearts out and the titles were things like, mommy, do you still love me? Do you remember me? There was a lot of poetry about, um, one child wrote a poem that was about, it was the words he wished his father would say to his mother to, apologize to her. These are 10, 11 year old children uh, and they poured their hearts out. And that was stuff you would never imagine. And the entire book that they created was full of pain and trauma that they had been processing. So I had to make sure that I relate that to their parents during conferences and things because children are holding a lot more than we realize, especially with um, social media, more information out there. They pay attention. So give, I would say, my final word would be to listen to your children um, and even listen to yourself. If you're still, as, as an adult, still unpacking things from your own childhood to take some time to, to e- explore your inner child and what you may still be holding on from years past. Um, one thing, um, final comments, when I'm thinking about blended families and I, I'm speaking directly to individuals who are in blended families or in a relationship that could turn into a blended family dynamics. Um, what Ronisha said to me, the kids are the key. Um, you have to think through, if you want a successful relationship, you have to get it right with the kids. Um, which means it's not, it's. I, I want to say it's not about you like the book goes. Um, if you make it about the kids and being there, helping them sort through these these worlds, I, I, I think um, these kids, they have more to work through than adults because we have a life of experience to pull on. These kids, they don't. They only have what we're showing them and what the society is giving them. So if we're not working to influence them in a healthy way, then you best believe they're going to impact your relationship in an unhealthy way, if that makes sense. And it's going to come out in your relationship. Um, and, and it's not, it, 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 and you're probably living it. People are living it and don't realize why. Um, but I tell people all the time in a blended family, you have to make it about the kids. You have to seek to understand where they are. How are they processing these dynamics in their, their place and make sure they have a place, you know, to express themselves. And even if it's not the way you want them to express themselves, you have to understand that their world is different than your world. And you have to help them navigate those those waters. That may mean being more patient with them. That may mean having um, more one-on-one time with them. That may mean just keeping giving them some distance, um, but giving them a space to be okay to have a conversation with you about all the stuff that they have to deal with when they're trying to bring all these worlds together. And when you're trying to tell them to act one way in your world 
and then you want them to go back to another world and they're telling them to act another way and you expect them to be a whole person. <laughs> like, like be understood. <laughs> Confused. Yeah. Confused, exactly. But but it, they can be a whole person, but they need help. They need people, you know, that's close to them, family members, helping them understand this and, and validating them um, and helping them express who they are becoming as a result of you bringing them into this blended world. Um, but that's that. That's my to go. But um, as far as a plug um, on um, Instagram and TikTok, look me up. I am Black Widow. <laughs> so uh, I am a widow. My husband passed away in 2017. Um, and so I have a lot to say to people who, women and widows and widowers who are in blended families as well, right? Um, how do you um, navigate those um, waters? So um, I'm, I'm Black Widow. Um, uh, three fourteen one seven. That's March fourteenth, nineteen. I mean, two thousand seventeen. Actually, this is the day my um husband died. So um, look me up and see. Everyone goes like, mm, but um, I'm that type of person. I take um something that seems traumatic and make it into something beautiful. So um, look, look, listen to Black Widow, and it's not just for widows or widowers. It is for individuals who have had to experience a break in a relationship um, and trying to figure out who you are and how you navigate these waters um, in a healthy way. Okay. Lana? Hey, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> you are Ashley's twin. <laughs> I know, right? Um, final words. Okay, so Sharon was talking about navigating the family and everything. My thing is, if if you can get everybody to agree to come to a common ground, that's like the biggest part. Um, our siblings, they took us in and they made everything like work for us. They took us in, they helped us, they celebrate us, they do everything for us. They also did the same thing for our sisters. And so I think that's one of the special things about them being the older siblings is that they carried it on and made sure that we were accepted. It was our dad and our, our parents that started it, but they also helped too. They didn't. They weren't. They didn't show any negativity towards it. They embraced us, and that's one of the biggest parts about a big a blended family. Like like you were saying, you Paige and Ronisha, like your other siblings don't really accept you or all the time, or like you have a hard time connecting with them. That was one of the biggest parts for me and Ashley is that we never faced any negativity from any of our siblings and they just accepted us. And that's one of the most important things to me is because without them accepting us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't interact with other people the way we do now. So they were a big part of our growing up and that's what's made the biggest difference in our world. So if you are an older sibling and you have younger siblings or you have younger people that are a part of a blended family, work with them to get them to understand that it doesn't always have to be negative. It can be positive. It can be beautiful. It can be great if you're willing to work towards it. Um, as far as what I have going on, I go to work and I come home. <laughs> so <laughs> enough said. Gotta love that. Gotta love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to thank you all for jumping on and really sharing your most intimate parts of being blended families. Um, I want to add something that 
both um, Alana and I mentioned earlier, you know, the quiet kid in amongst the group is, there's nothing wrong. We just like to sit back and observe. Let them do that. Um, I think sometimes we're bullied, we're talked about, um, and it's not because we can't dish it back. We wanna make sure we're in a safe space because especially what we're doing here, Ashley and I, we wanna create safe spaces where people can talk about these things in an open space. We're live in front of how many people and we wanna continue this. We wanna continue the conversations around blended families offline, online, wherever we can. So if you guys have any questions, concerns or comments, please feel free to let us know. We'll definitely share it with the group here so we can get some responses back. Ashley? Um, I too appreciate all of y'all. Um, in the last thing Alana um, touched on, I did wanna say, um, I remember earlier, one of my first like grown up conversations with Sharon, um, we were talking about, you know, comparing stories, like as a grown up, we were comparing stories about, well, why didn't we meet y'all? And it was, um, I can't remember what, which story, where we landed at, but Sharon said, that don't have nothing to do with us. And I think that was the number one thing that I just love because Sharon's like, okay, whatever happened between the parents, they don't have nothing to do with us. And I love that. Um, I love all of, we all family now. So I guess we need to go ahead and start in the group chat with <laughs> everybody on the panel. Um, this has been a great conversation. I absolutely um, love the fact that you all allowed, um, you all came into this safe space and you shared your knowledge, shared your wisdom. Um, I appreciate everyone for um, coming on the show, making time for us. I appreciate everyone who took time to watch. Um, please be sure if you have not already, whether you're watching on Facebook, click the um, subscribe button so that you can get a Facebook watch notification every time we go live. We have this series. We have our The State of Black Men Mental Health series, and we have the um, the Wellness Collective, which is our new women's series. And if you're watching on YouTube, right underneath this video, you will see the red subscribe button. Go ahead and click subscribe that word click subscribe <laughs> and turn on your notifications and that way you can get a notification every time we have an episode of anything pops up on youtube thank you so much we have a comment thank you destry thank you so much for commenting <laughs> um we uh thank you guys so much for uh for watching thank y'all and um we'll see you again in a couple of weeks Thanks. Thank you.